If there's ever a time where we needed to pull together as believers of Christ and, and unite and try to strengthen and make the world a better place, it's now. Mm-hmm. And that, that sounds like he's yeah. preaching our message. <laughs> there's one body, one church, one spirit, one hope. The realities of the faith, the ra- realities that unify us are already there. Christ praying for unity. What should we be praying for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one prayer request of Jesus. Think about it in the Bible that we actually have a say in whether or not it comes to fruition or not. I think in what God has done in you guys in uh, in this podcast and the, the multitude of folks that you're reaching, the diversity, whatever God intended when he's, when you started this, he's able to bring it to completion. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll, here with your other co-host, TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Hello. Yeah, we're also here with a special guest. He is a pastor in Raleigh at the Lutheran Trinity Church. It's Pastor Will Rose. Hello, hello. That small correction, Holy Trinity Lutheran in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. There is a Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Raleigh uh, that has campus ministry with NC State. We, you know, with these ACC basketball rivalries, I just want to make sure we are in Chapel Hill, (laughs) UNC, Tar Heels, Go Heels. But yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. And also not support the Wolfpack here. Yeah, no, we, we don't. They're rude, mostly. Um, <laughs> that's a way to start a church unity podcast. Um, <laughs> oh, man. And uh, also for our, um, our our listeners, they might notice the name Holy Trinity. It's also the name of um, Father Jonathan and Father Christian's church. They've been on before. They're Holy Trinity Orthodox in Charlotte. So don't get those confused either. <laughs> we um two very different churches, I would imagine. Um. Today, we're going to talk to Pastor Will about which comic book scene he wants to see the most. We're going to talk about his church. We're going to talk about how his church deals with the science community that is right there in it. And um, we've got a lot of fun things to talk to him about. But before we do, we just want to want to review what um, some of what our audience has been up to. Uh, recent guest of the show, uh, Paul Calcote, left a review on Apple Podcast. Uh, said that our show was funny, and he talked about you know how we ask the important questions and stuff too. But he also said we were funny, and I just want everyone to note that at least one person thinks that we're humorous, and that, that's that's important to me. Yeah. Um, well, I have at least two. So, <laughs> ah, man, that uh, TJ is winning. That's is really what I'm winning. A bone? No, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> So recently on our Monday Monday, we also asked the question, what is a pet peeve of yours? Father Jonathan said prepositions at the end of sentences. Uh, the reason I picked his to point out to everybody is because that is also have been every single one of my English teacher's pet peeves, as well as my parents when I was homeschooled. So, yeah, y'all, y'all do with that what you will. Uh, and when we asked everyone what their favorite reptile was, uh, my wife, Tiffany, said a skink. And I forgot that those were a thing. So I wanted to let everyone know that that was an answer, and it was a good answer. Third favorite reptile, skink. And now we're going to transition into today's silly question, something I know we're all looking forward to. And uh, Pastor Will, me and TJ will answer first, give, give you a little bit of time to think on it. If you oh. could be a first-hand witness to any comic book or manga scene, which scene would you choose? TJ, do you want to go first or you want to make me go first? I can. I'll go first. Okay. So I, I must I must have read a draft of the outline yesterday that was different 
because you <laughs> it didn't include the part where it says or manga. Okay. But it's it's a really hard question because I'm pretty sure you also changed the wording to first-hand witness. That makes a lot of the things that, that are like my favorite moments extremely dangerous. <laughs> I feel the uh, same way. So I, I'm I'm still gonna go with my original answer though. Uh, it was it's from the Sinestro Corps War, uh, Green Lantern, uh, twenty twenty one to twenty four, I think. Uh, it was so cool because you know they made you know they they built off the concept of light attached to emotion, and. You know, they came up with the Indigo core, the Indigo lanterns, Violet lanterns, orange, red, blue. Uh, and it was so awesome. It's such a cool story. And when they are the Green Lanterns and the orange and red and blue and purple, they all assemble to fight the Black Lanterns. Uh, if you haven't read it, please read it. Uh, Green Lantern Rebirth, Sinestro Core War, Blackest Night. They're fantastic, but I still think that's what I would choose to be a first-hand witness to. I would probably die. <laughs> uh, realistically, right. they destroyed Coast City, but you got to, I would get to see Liesl Pawn, the hyper-intelligent smallpox virus that is a Green Lantern. And that's like one of my favorite comic book characters, so I think that's what I would choose. All right. That, I, I think that might be the longest rant TJ has gone on. On this show, ever it is, and, and that's and that blue ring isn't that represent faith? Doesn't it represent faith? Uh, blue is hope, I or think. Hope, hope, yeah, close yeah. though. I mean, you know, one of them yeah. is faith, isn't it? Similar, I don't, uh, I don't think so. I'm not sure, but that's besides the point. I'm not as into DC comics. Um, my answer is going to be a little more simple and a little shorter. And I, I promise it's not because I'm not as well versed as TJ, it's just because my answer is just more simple. Um, and because it's the first hand thing, I, I would like to let everyone know there are scenes from One Piece I would like to see, you know, third hand or something. Uh, there's definitely scenes from Captain America that I would like to be able to witness. Uh, but, you know, I don't want to be in the middle of violence or cold for that matter. I don't like being cold. So I'm going to go with Peter Parker and Mary Jane's wedding because uh, there's very few moments in Peter Parker's life that are pleasant. And as someone who grew up reading the comics, it took so much longer for him and Mary Jane to get married than it does in any of the movies or anything. And it's just kind of like a it was such a. It was the only time I feel like the reader was rewarded, you know, <laughs> like every time you get into Peter Parker's life, it's like, oh, and actually, instead of rewarding our readers, uh, something terrible happens to him. And there was just this one really shining moment in his life. And I would like to be able to sit in and be there. A for Peter, and also because, you know what, I deserve it. I've read a lot, a lot of comics about his life, and I deserve to see that moment. That, that's all. Yeah. yeah. That's it's like, a good, like, so much with Peter Parker, is like you're waiting for the bottom drop out. There's something tragic that's going to happen. So in that story yeah. arc, you're like, oh, no, something's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. That's then, why, uh, like, it follow through, and like, oh, finally, Peter Parker gets the girl. Nice. Yeah, yeah. it was great. And that that's why me and my best friend have always said, you know, it's hard to make good Spider-Man movies because that's not how his life plays out. It's always uh, something bad happens and then something bad happens. Like it almost needs to be a TV show. There isn't that reward that you get at the end of movies. 
Anyway, so <laughs> Pastor Will, what would you say if you could witness any comic book or manga scene firsthand, which would you choose? Yeah, that's such a good question. I'm um, such a big comic book and sci-fi fan that, you know, even I started a, a God Loves Geeks book club in my church in South Carolina. <laughs> kept it going here in nice. North Carolina where we read a graphic novel and then talk about the philosophy and theology behind it. So if anybody out there wants to know how to start your own, it's not copyrighted, start your own God Loves Geeks book club in your your context or faith community, let me know. I have lots of suggestions. But thinking about that scene, I was thinking about the movies and the comics. If it, if it was the movies, I think the end of, of Endgame when all the heroes just emerge out of the portals and you get to see that whole grand like pantheon of like superheroes, that would be like my movie scene. But then comics, this might be a little bit of a deep cut, but um, I'm a big X, X-Men fan. And so in 2004, they relaunched the X-Men with Astonishing X-Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Josh Josh Whedon, and man, it's nice. such that first story arc is so so good. And, and I was a big fan of Colossus, and so it's no, well, you know, it's it's a sixteen year old uh, comic book run, so spoilers. Like Colossus was dead, and in this comic arc, they bring him back. And there's a scene in issue number four where Kitty Pride like discovers him down in like this basement where they're doing tests on him, and he kind of she got. They bring him back in a way that there's no even words on the page. It's just all like art with this dramatic reveal of who they're bringing back. And it is um, beautiful and fantastic. And so me being able to witness her, be able to see that uh, Peter uh, Colossus is back uh, and to see that scene come to life would be would be pretty rad. So that's my yeah. answer. Yeah, that, <clears throat> that would have been pretty sick. All right, so <laughs> to get into the real show, uh, the reason I'm sure most of our audience uh, comes around, uh, one thing that we believe is extremely important to church unity is to hear one another's story of how we came to Christ. Uh, would you mind sharing with us your testimony? Uh, no, not at all. Um, I am um, a lifelong Lutheran. I was baptized Lutheran as, as a baby. Lutherans uh, baptize infants. And so I'm a, a lifelong Lutheran. I've always been a part of the Lutheran church, the, the um, Christian expression of, um, of faith when it comes to how Lutherans understand the Christian faith. So I've, I've always been cradled and reared as, as a Lutheran. Uh, but kind of my story arc and, and faith and taking my faith seriously and then going to seminary, um, I had I had a very healthy church and family life being reared in the church. We were we were every day uh, or every every Sunday um, church worshipers and real involved with Sunday school and confirmation and and youth group. I definitely growing up on the coast as a teenager and being kind of a punk surfer kid. I, I had my rebellious moments and and resisting <laughs> of not wanting to go to church. And I definitely had very patient Sunday school teachers and pastors and youth directors when I was a rowdy little punk kid. But I, I think it was my, towards the end of high school, beginning of college, that I, I started to mature a little bit and started to read the Bible on my own and really take my faith seriously. And as I read the scriptures and started reading the gospel on my own and really kind of examining uh, this text, that I, I was really um, captivated by by the life and ministry and, and work of Jesus. And so for that, for me, um, I was like, you know what? I want to be 
a Jesus follower. I, I was a Jesus follower before then, but it was really my high school, early college when I, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm really going to start taking my faith more seriously and, and follow Jesus more closely. And so that was what I sought out to do. I went, I went to college and um, growing up on the coast, I, I wanted, I went to UNC Wilmington thinking I was going to major in marine biology because I just wanted to play in the ocean hey, and too. play with dolphins, <laughs> you know, and, and surf. But then I, but then I quickly realized when I was in biology and made a C in my biology lab that it was more than just playing in the ocean, that it was, it took like, you know, studying labs and doing math equations. I was like, okay, let's do something else. And, um, that summer after my first summer of college, went to work at a, at a Lutheran um, summer camp um, up in North Carolina mountains in, near Asheville, uh, Lutheran. And uh, that summer was such a magical summer for me and being a kind of intentional Christian community and doing youth ministry and being around all kinds of different pastors of all shapes and sizes and um, introverts and extroverts and all kinds of personalities. I, I realized that summer be around the fellow counselors that I was working with and the pastors that were coming through that I could still be will and still be a Christ follower and still go into ministry that I can be a comic book loving surfer goofball and still be a Jesus follower and um, perhaps be a pastor one day. So I kind of shifted and pivoted towards uh, doing a major that would lean more into going to seminary one day. So I went to speech communications and study philosophy and theology and then um, eventually went to seminary. Uh, in Columbia, South Carolina, in a Lutheran seminary, and then became a pastor. So it was kind of a, for a while there, it wasn't like one major um, kind of conversion experience. It was more of a um, kind of a um, a long-term, slow roll, um, gradual growth into that. But there's definitely kind of a moment there in, in high school and college where I was like, I want, I want this to be a part of my life. And then and then wanted to be a pastor. So was youth pastor there for a while and then been, been a pastor for, for 20 years. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> so this isn't going to be today's speed round question. So now I'm just going to ask you quickly because <laughs> I'm curious. The, would you say then given your experience, you believe in more of a continual sanctification rather than a one-time event kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely, um, we're going to talk about, probably faith and science here in a little while that we, we live in a, an evolving, growing universe that, you know, I started as a cell in my mother's womb and then grew and became a baby. And then eventually it didn't stay a baby that I grew into a kid and then a teenager and then a young adult. And then now, uh, now as uh, an adult. So it's definitely life is a, is a process and in a way that kind of unfolds. And then God is in each moment along the way. Uh, now, there's definitely moments when we respond to God's grace along the way um, that that and, and conversion experience. I definitely believe in discipleship and and conversion moments. But mine, I mean, some people do have dramatic conversion experiences and it all comes at once and they're ready to turn and make a life turn. Mine, mine was more kind of a Grand Canyon. It took many, many years to get to where it was and uh, rather than one big explosive uh, moment. Um, I think it's really important for people to kind of hear that kind of story too. I feel like a lot of people feel like they were never really saved because they didn't have that one moment. And it's good for people to hear that, you know, so sometimes, you know, maybe it doesn't work that way for everybody. Right. But, and Lutherans, uh, um, you know, we, we, uh, we're a sacramental church and uh, we believe in baptism. Baptism is one of our sacraments. We baptize infants, but then um, we believe that this, this covenant that God is making with the family and with this child 
is to raise them in the faith and that God's grace is present in that moment, um, that they are saved uh, by God's grace alone. And then eventually when we become teenagers and, and go through confirmation, we then look at our youth and we say, all right, here's the faith. And, and it's now to take ownership of your own faith, examine it, um, learn about it, take it seriously. And, and, and Jesus is calling you to follow you on your own, to, to not just be underneath the umbrella of your own family's kind of household faith is, is time for you to take responsibility. Talk about Peter Parker with great power, comes great <laughs> responsibility with this great faith comes, comes great responsibility. And so yeah. it's your turn to, to take and, and respond to it and, and walk with it. And so, um, that's kind of how um, we we see it um, here in the Lutheran yeah. Church. And so there's moments along the way so, that, that definitely God is there. Hey guys, we just wanted to tell you a few of the ways that you can support us, the Whole Church Podcast, your favorite Church Unity podcast. Yeah, so you can subscribe to our show on wherever good podcasts are found. You can rate our show on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. You can sign up for our newsletter using either our website or by emailing us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can share this episode on your own social media accounts. You can donate to our Cash App using the tag down below in the show notes. Or you can sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast. Yeah, especially that last one. TJ, you always say that. Perhaps I was told to say that. However... It's especially true for Patreon. Uh, you get access to a bunch of bonus stuff we do. You support us. We have a lot of goals to reach. It's kind of a great way to support the show. All right. Well, let's get back to it then. Yeah. You said the um, the age for that was 16. Is the age of kind of accountability, you would say then? or No, I, we Just don't. Lutherans don't necessarily use that, that word of accountability. That would definitely hold people accountable, but the age of accountability will say that uh, God is present there at baptism from the very beginning. But it's around sixth, seventh, eighth grade, uh, 12, 13, 14, that we do confirmation, uh, the confirmation process of kind of intense learning about what the Christian faith means. Yeah. Look at the creeds, look at the Bible and uh, study the faith of the church and the faith in which they're baptized and then say, all right, um, now is your chance to. Hopefully on your own, get up in front of the church and say, yeah, take ownership of, of this faith. Okay. And that could be anywhere so, from 12 to 16. Yeah, so not an exact age for confirmation. Right. Okay, interesting. All right, so uh, you, you mentioned it already, so I want to go ahead and get into it. We had a um, – we actually heard of you from a fellow podcaster, and in his show, you mentioned that there's a lot of scientists from Chapel Hill that actually attend your church. Mm -hmm. So uh, how do you – I don't know. How do you make room for that? You know, a lot of people see science and faith as very contrasting, you know, groups, I guess. Uh, yeah. How do you make room for both? Yeah, I think the stereotype of faith and science is there in like this ring in a boxing match or a wrestling match and and duke it out to see who wins. Right. Um, and if if somebody says, I wonder how faith and science get along or if there's any issues in faith and science, they'll maybe do a Google search or go on YouTube. And most of the time, what will come up are these two extremes. They're in this battle or this huge debate that one will hopefully win out over the other. So you kind of like extreme um, fundamentalist atheists against extreme fundamentalist uh, Christians, and they're going to battle it out. Uh, whereas that's good clickbait and that's entertaining, you know, theatrics, but there are so many other resources and people out there 
who are scientists and people of faith who, who believe that faith and science doesn't have to be like this dualistic dichotomy at odds with one another, that they can work together in this kind of uh, mystery and journey through discovering what life and faith is all about. Uh, the common ground between life and faith uh, is is curiosity and, and wonder and asking the big question, where did I come from? Where are we going? Is there anything behind this universe driving it at all? Um, are, are the big questions that humans ask and, and both people of science and people of faith are asking those those same questions. So that's kind of the the common ground and sandbox that we can all all play in. Oh, I kind of go back a little bit. Uh, in my church in South Carolina, I did um, some some Q and A uh, and uh, what I called pastor in the hot seat, or or we called it one night. A few events were Sunday school where we'd have a congregation events where we called real pastor will. That's kind of what we called it. Nice. And <laughs> and and really, what I did is I wanted people to say, you know, any question safe. I'm not going to shame you for asking questions. Whatever question you have about anything, the Bible, my life, whatever. Um, ask it, and we'll we'll address these questions together. And um, and what I wanted to do, it didn't mean that I had all the answers, or or that um, I was going to give them a quick tweetable answer for whatever question they had. But I just wanted them to let them know that that our congregation and community of faith was a safe and brave space to ask the questions that everybody wrestles with. Um, oh. What what is the meaning of pain and suffering? How do we interpret the Bible? What is God's nature and character? Who is this guy, Jesus? What are miracles? Uh, prayer. Um, I, I observe uh, an evolving universe and a vi- vast cosmos. How does that fit into, as you guys talk about in your podcast with Genesis chapter 1 through 11? And what, how, how does that go together? And so I just wanted people, before we started answering questions, just let people know that those questions were okay. And so we did that in South Carolina. When I came to, to Chapel Hill, of course, we're, we're right here on the campus of UNC. And so we have a lot of professors. We have a lot of students. We have a campus ministry where we have professors anywhere from evolutionary biology to uh, teaching the education department. We have one member who teaches at Duke who is a particle physicist who was on the Higgs boson project. Uh, the God particle, if you nice. remember that from a few That's years awesome. back, and so he was on that on that team, and and here they are in our congregation um, as members and worshiping with us and take their faith their faith seriously, and so so most of the time when I'm in our sanctuary in a in our classroom, I'm not the smartest person in the room in our in our congregation because <laughs> there's a lot of smart <laughs> people. But what I what I start to do is have that same kind of posture that this is a safe place to ask questions and and to explore together. Um, how we are navigating a living life, life and faith. So we, we did that again. We did a grill pastor will pastor in the hot seat. Eventually the main, the questions that people were asking were like all those questions wrapped around science and how do you interpret Genesis 1 through 11 hmm. and days of yeah, creation with, of <laughs> with, with evolution. Yeah, you guys. Know so <laughs> I noticed those were coming to the surface. So eventually I would get my scientist and say, hey, do you mind doing, doing a panel? So people can ask you questions, not necessarily that you have to have all the answers, but just kind of be a witness to share what your faith means to you. You don't have to pretend you don't have any doubts or you don't have any struggle or tension there, but but just share what your faith means to you. So that then that snowballed. And then one of the members of our congregation was studying um, um, astrophysics. Yep. The, the whole universe and cosmology <laughs> and the Big Bang. And yeah, they were just he, studying he, everything. He, yeah, he um, he he 
discovered that there was a, a grant that Fuller Seminary in, in California was given out to go deeper into faith and science. And so we applied for this grant and, and allowed us to, um, to get this grant and grant money to, to really dive deeper into the questions that people are wrestling with. So that kind of was the snowball and awesome. process of how we did that here at, at Holy Trinity. And I've had, and I have had colleagues who have said, well, that's easy for you, Will, because uh, you're in Chapel Hill and you have, you know, college professors that are willing to talk about these things. But, but what I share with them is that if you, your, your youth, your confirmation students, your teenagers have questions, have provide space in a safe space for them to be able to ask lots of questions and don't, don't shame them. Don't, don't tell them they're wrong for answering the question, but just entertain it and say, yeah, those are, those are great questions. You're not the first person to ask that question. And I guarantee you're not the last. And, and, yeah. and perhaps if you don't have a astrophysicist or a particle physicist within your congregation, you may have a biology, um, a high school biology professor or a middle school chemistry teacher who's able to kind of share their witness and testimony of what science means to them and, and what their faith means to them to let these young people, emerging adults, young adults know that they're really isn't a tension between, well, there are tensions, but there's not like a false dichotomy that they're <laughs> right. in a battle to the end. Um, yeah. yeah. So I do feel obligated to ask before we go any further, because I know, I, I know our listeners and I know there's definitely plenty of them who are already thinking, okay, but what about, and, and you already know what's coming. I, I could tell what about that whole Genesis one evolution thing? If they, are saying evolution, then they're saying the Bible's wrong. So how can we not say that they're against us? And, you know, you know how the rant goes. Right. How do you answer that, you know, that first question? Because you can't get to anything else without that first one. Yeah, I mean, that's the big one. Uh, that's when, when with our grant, our grant project, we, we at first wanted to, um, before we got to answer any questions, we wanted, oh, before we got to any answers, we wanted to know what the main questions were. So we, we took a good, six months to a year just saying, what are your questions? One of the top questions was, how, how does uh, science and uh, an evolving universe match up with, with Genesis 1 and 2? And, um, and so um, what we sought to do was to really kind of um, answer some big terms first before we went back. So, so if someone says, um, Will, do you believe in God? Before before I answer that question, I want to know what God they're talking about, right? So, so by God, they mean like a old man in the clouds ready to sh throw lightning at me when I cuss in, in traffic. Then I'm going to say, I, you know what? I, I, that sounds more like Zeus. I don't, I don't yeah. believe in, yeah. in that God, right? Um, but if you're talking about um, the God of, of Israel, a Trinitarian God of, of love rooted in, in the person of of Jesus and, and benevolence, grace, love, and mercy, then, then that's the God I, I believe in. So I think, yeah, I, th I think there's always, you know, a chance or, or a time when you like have these conversations and discussions. And if, and if there may be a place where eventually you agree to disagree and say, you know what, I don't believe in a literal seven days. Um, uh, I believe in a evolving universe, but I, I, I still believe that God God's grace and love is sovereign and wins at the end of the day. And so, yes, yeah, salvation is, is for me and for all who, whether there's a diversity of how we interpret scripture or not. I, I guess I just don't see Genesis. I think the point of Genesis is not a, a science. The, the authors of Genesis were not 
concerned with science as much as they were trying to express and articulate who they understand God to be. So it's not mm-hmm. really the how the universe came to be, but really who who is behind it all. Right. Yeah, think more about who and why. Yeah. Yeah. So every now and then on the topic of uh, lots of questions, uh, we like to do what we call our speed round segment. Uh, we wanted to do it today with you. And we wanted to focus on some of the areas in Genesis that the church has had disagreements about internally and externally with the scientific community. Uh, As that is a topic we have been talking about a lot on the show, but, you know, the rules are pretty simple. We just ask that you answer each question in one sentence or less. And if you feel like that's not possible, uh, you just say skip or pass and then we skip it. Okay. All right. Be, to, to me to answer a question once this is tough, man. You guys are stressing me, but that's okay. Yeah. I'll step yeah, up to the challenge. Struggle I'm ready. With this I'm ready. and our patron segment yeah. that we do, so uh, yeah, I believe in you. <laughs> Good luck with that too. Okay, thank you. All right, here we go. Does salvation depend on a literal atom? Uh, no. Do we have to accept a seven-day creation or macroevolution? As in, do we have to accept? one of those two um i don't believe it has to be either or it can be both and mm-hmm. was noah's flood a literal flood of the entire earth um, i won't say that there wasn't a flood but i don't believe it was literal over the whole earth what can we learn about salvation from genesis oh man that's such a good question and it's uh um Man, it's where it all began. You you already see God's nature of love and grace and forgiveness and um, justice being played out in Genesis. There will eventually the whole arc will lead to the Gospels and Jesus through Revelation and then to the life of the church today. Mm, nice. Uh, <laughs> who do you believe wrote Genesis? Um, I'm of the more text critical um, camp, so I think it's a, a host of people over generations who are. Um, sharing the story of God's love and and grace and purpose behind creation over an extended period of time. Do you understand scripture as more literal or figurative? Yes. All right. What are your views on tithing? Um, well, as, as a parish pastor, I, I definitely approve <laughs> of it uh, and, and uh, say, yes, tithing is... Is important, but I also want to frame it that not as a as a kind of an if then conditional thing. That I don't believe that if you don't tithe, then then God won't love you. I want to see it more of a of a kind of a because therefore that because God loves us and and saves us through through God's grace in Christ, then then therefore our response to that grace is is giving of our of our time and treasure and talents. And tithing to the to the church. So I'm, I'm a good Lutheran. I don't I I don't want to sell indulgences or tell people that if they don't give to our building campaign. God's not going to love them. Uh, that that really because they are loved so much, therefore, um, therefore um, we give of our ourselves and treasure and stewardship. I was a little longer, but you know you talk about stewardship and the church, and you know I got to go a little deeper. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for that speed round. That was great. Um, one one thing I, I do want to ask before we move on, just because I feel like some of our listeners may need to hear it. I'm pretty sure we already know the answer, but um, we can't have Christian unity unless we agree on at least the one thing being that there was a literal Jesus Christ 
who died and rose again for our sins. And before we move on, I, I just want to make sure that our listeners know you do agree with that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I definitely yeah. believe in uh, the uh, historical Jesus and then in his saving work of, of life, um, death, and, and resurrection. Um, I, as, a, as a whole, I... You know, I believe the Bible is is kind of a, a library book of, of all different kinds of, of genres of um, poetry, hymnody, prayers, myth, um, legend, history. And and so all that together are, are these collective um, group of voices that are wrestling with who they understand God to be. And then um, our place in this universe um, as God's children. So. And I think the climax of that is is the person of Jesus and God being incarnate in Christ, um, and that His life, death, and resurrection is is um, important for salvation, for um, recreation, for the new creation of, of of the world. So, so yeah, I, I think there's discernment. You know, just as you take literature class and you discern what genres are what, what their styles. Mm-hmm. Are. The Bible's filled with that, but when you get to the Gospels, um, you know, this is them sharing who they understand Jesus to be and, and why, why he matters. Yeah. yeah. Which I, I assumed you'd say something along those lines, but I know when we talk about, you know, literal Genesis first, all these other things, everybody has a lot of different opinions and everyone tends to feel really strongly about it. So it's nice to remember yeah. where our common ground is and yeah. uh, how we can still have Christian unity as long as we, we can go back to that step. Mm-hmm. So th- th- thank you for that. Uh, now, now moving on, your church website makes a, a really awesome uh, claim about your church that as the whole church podcast, we were particularly interested about and kind of wanted to hear, let you unpack it a little bit for our listeners. So your church, your church's website says we are a Christian congregation called to unite people from diverse backgrounds, enabling them to grow in the love of Jesus Christ. You know, obviously I like that word unite. So <laughs> could you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah, I mean, we're we're in a university town where people come from different backgrounds. Uh, some people are lifelong Lutherans. Some people are not. Um, some people have been Christian a long time. Some people are just discovering the faith. We have students that have different majors and um, uh, people from different vocations and families. So, so we we want to be a space where people can gather and be who they are, but also grow in or hear God's call of love and grace and then respond to that with with lives of, of faith. And so we want to make sure that people understand that our church is a safe space, a brave space to explore life, to ask questions and, and grow in their faith. And, and we all come from different angles and that I grow in my faith when I hear from your perspective and your questions and your answers and and how you interpret scripture and who you understand God to be and that, and that I can, and you can learn from me when, when I share my experiences and, and who I understand God and, and Christ to be. So, so we really try to, it doesn't mean we always get it right. It doesn't, always, it doesn't mean there isn't ever any tension or disagreements. It just means that we want this place to be where we can gather under one, one roof. Well, we're not doing it now because of the pandemic, but we're <laughs> under one roof yeah. to, to really kind of share honestly, um, our questions and, and how we experience the grace of God. Right. Awesome. awesome. And how does your church accomplish this uniting of people? Uh, yeah, it's a good, good question. I, I think uh, being, being honest with one another, um, being authentic with one another, 
uh, providing opportunities for people to share their, their stories and testimonies. Um, yes, worship is, is the hub, the wheel that keeps us going when we gather for worship and we hear God's word, we partake in the sacraments, and, and then we're sent out in the world to do our daily lives, whether it's school or work. Um, but we also provide not just worship, but, but also uh, whether it's faith formation classes or coffee hours, uh, workshops, uh, faith and science panels uh, where we get to ask questions, book studies that, that we get. We provide those opportunities for people to get to know one another and grow as a community in, in friendship and, and fellowship. So that's that's what we seek to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, we, and we have awesome. had harder conversations when it comes to like faith and science and, and even race and racism from this past summer. We've, we've done some deep dives and hard yeah. conversations, even conversations around human sexuality. They're not they're not easy to have. And so what we have done before is we've created um, kind of conversation covenants where we we kind of raw not that there are rules and how we have a conversation, but we want to kind of get some things stated out front and who we understand each other to be. So we have, you know, rules of not talking over one another, seeing every person as created in the image of God, <laughs> um, understanding that we're all baptized Christians striving to follow faith. So we have the, almost like a creed that we follow by before we have these harsh conversations or hard conversations to let people know that we are on a common ground to have these conversations. Um, so that if someone shares awesome. their point of view, they don't they don't automatically feel like they're going to get attacked for sharing it. So we, we create that, that it's not just me creating the, the conversation covenant, but the group that has gathered create that covenant together they can agree upon to have those those hard conversations with. So we had to do that with conversation with faith and science. We're continuing to do it with race and racism and, and whatever issue comes up within the church. Yeah. That's awesome. awesome. That sense of community is super important. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now, and I know, speak, speaking of which, you, you uh, mentioned to me over at the email that um, you guys are part of a, uh, I think you said local clergy, Monte, clergy, local clergy, clergy, gosh, man, <laughs> I'm struggling today, guys. Right? Local clergy Monday Zoom call. Man, it's a good thing I'm not a part of it. I'd never get past saying the name, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, uh, we don't even have a name. That's just kind of what I, I call it. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, talk about a tangible task for unity. And, and then even, you know, sometimes you guys do God moments. I, I, you know, this through this pandemic, it's been super hard on everybody and on the church. And from the very beginning, a year ago or last March, we how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this um, remotely? How are we going to shut the church down? When are we going to open all these big questions? What this means for our community of faith, with worship and and community life and and. We're next door neighbor to some pretty big university churches like Chapel of the Cross Episcopal Church and right down the block is University Presbyterian Church and right across the street from them is University Methodist Church and right down the road from them is University of Baptist. And so right from the beginning of hmm. the pandemic, we decided to gather together in kind of a, a Zoom call together to say, what are you guys doing? Uh, how are you responding to this? What, how can we not compete against one another because we don't want the church down the road to say, yeah. well, we're open and we come here. <laughs> that church down the road is closed. Guess what? We, we, we're not afraid. We wanted to all, if we're going to shut our doors down and go remote, we're going to do that together. And we've covenanted together that we're going to, when we reopen, we'll reopen together. We're not going to do it unless we're all on the same, same team. And what this, awesome. and we've invited not just those on Franklin street here in Chapel Hill, but surrounding 
churches too of, of all different kind of denominations, non-denominational, Methodist, Lutheran, Catholic. We're, we're all in this conversation together about how this pandemic has affected our communities and then how can we be good stewards of our neighbors? How can we be pro-science and listen to the medical experts and still be people of faith? And another cool thing um, is that there's a, since um, UNC Hospital is one, a major hospital in the country, we, a member of University Methodist, uh, Dr. Wes Wallace, he's director of emergency medicine at UNC Hospital. And so he's been our Monday morning kind of consultant sharing with us like COVID numbers and what's going on with the vaccines and how to be safe. And so he is uh, coaching us clergy on what he thinks is the best way that we can kind of take care of our community. So we listen to him and then kind of take his lead and another way to be pro-science and let our congregation know that Hey, we're listening to the experts, but then here's how we can respond uh, in faith. So, so we, and awesome. then over the summer, you know, with all that was going on with race and racism and and the protests, we decided that we are going to have because we have um, we have black churches a part of our our clergy group. Like, can we listen more to you about your experience? That us um, older white ministers can listen to you and your experience and talk less and listen more to your experience in this world and. And it grew from there. And then we ended up creating a service learning center for kids who aren't able to go back to school but need extra help tutoring. So so all this has snowballed in this partnership of and it would have never happened if it hadn't been for, for the pandemic. Now, I, I don't I'm, yeah. I would rather not have the pandemic. But if yeah, there's yeah. <laughs> something that God has blessed through it or some silver linings there or is this teamwork that these churches have worked together to be on the same page on, on how we take care of our community. Oh, yeah. What the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good, right? Mm, and um, yep. I, mean, I got to say, I, I love that. It's a great example of unity. And it, it reminds me of uh, Ephesians 5, where uh, it says, submit ye one to another. It sounds like you guys are doing a fantastic job of that. Could be prouder of the whole church in Raleigh. You guys sound like you're all on top of it, man. Not yeah. Raleigh, Chapel Hill. Man, yeah. I, I don't know why I keep thinking Raleigh. Hey, we like the church oh. in Raleigh, too. They could be a part of they want. <laughs> yeah, they're doing great, too, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So one thing we like to ask every guest that comes on. And we always like to end the main part of our show with this so that our listeners have something to take away. We like to ask if there was one single tangible action that you could have everyone listening go do. It's like this show's going to stop. They're going to go do this extremely practical thing that you said. And that thing is going to help church unity. What would it be? Hmm. Well, I, I think um, the phrase, you know, listen more, talk less. Uh, is 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 really important. A few episodes back, I heard Sam and Dolores talking about um, when when you asked about like whether drinking was a sin or not. Um, I forgot whether it was Sam or Dolores, but they were like, "What's the question behind the question?" And I think that's super important. Man, that was so good because I think when we ask these deep questions about even the tension between faith and science, usually it's like, "Well, what is the question behind the question? What are you scared of? What are you nervous about? What do you feel threatened by?" And let's get the question behind the question, which is really what Jesus does. When the Pharisees ask mm -hmm. him a question, he responds with a question because he's like, what's behind that? You know, and so I think when people are come to you with questions um, or, or, or something they're wrestling with, uh, be patient and pastoral and then say, well, what's what's behind that? What's really at the root of this? And so I think that's a tangible way to kind of think through how we can grow closer and understand each other uh, better. Right. Yeah, ask Just, more questions. Yeah. Get to the root of every issue, if you can. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think would happen if everyone started doing that? 
man, we'd all be listening more than, than talking <laughs> that we, we'd be more curious about, I guess, as I've gotten older and uh, done, done ministry over 20 years, I'm more, I'm more curious about the questions than I am trying to arrive at an answer. And so <laughs> yeah. I think, I think like, you know, that's a great question. What, it, you know, that will, that will like, you know, spawn off more questions and that'll lead to even deeper questions. And so I, I'm just more curious about good questions than I am trying to get like a nice succinct answer with things. Um, not, not that answers aren't important. Uh, we, we should have that, you know, that we can't go around just being, un, not knowing, I'm yeah. not a, you know, <laughs> I think yeah. there are answers out there, but I think being more curious about the questions is, is going to do yeah. us a lot of good, especially it's in the like church when we tend to be a little bit more scared of questions or defensive, more defensive than yeah. we are yeah. curious. Just Sounds get like a little more in a quieter world. Yeah. <laughs> Just get a little more philosophical, you know, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So what another way to word what you're saying, would it be um, to validate people's questions more rather mm. than attacking their questions? Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I don't, I'm not going to shame anybody for their question. You know, I, I think I, we all tend to be a little defensive at times. You know, if somebody asks you a question, I go, well, I guess that. Are you, are, are you attacking me as a person? I feel threatened. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I think um, letting people know that their questions are valid because like we, we've seen over and over again, whether it's teenagers or, or college students or, or people of all ages, uh, are that I guarantee whatever deep question you have about God, the Bible, your life, the world, you're not the first person to ask it, and you're not <laughs> yeah. the last person to ask it, and that we're in this together. One of our faith and science events, um, we were sitting there, and one of our college students um, was sitting there as we were kind of batting around some of these questions around Genesis and, and evolutionary science, and, and he sat there, and he said out loud, he goes, I thought I was the only one with these questions. And he could just see the weight lifted off his shoulders, his, his, his face kind of relax. And I was like, well, yeah, no, 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 you're, you're not alone in these questions. Just to let people know they're not alone in this world and that we're all wrestling with. Them. I mean, in the Bible, Israel means literally to wrestle with God, right? Mm -hmm. And so, man, that part of their identity is wrestling with God and wrestling with these questions. And mm -hmm. we all do it. And so to let people know they're not alone and that we all have these questions is a, is a great approach. And, Right. So you've already mentioned it once. And uh, as we start <laughs> to wrap up the show, uh, we do like to do our God moment segment. Uh, you know, we just like to take a minute to share what God's been doing with us recently. And if you would like to, you can just use what you said earlier about your clergy Zoom call. <laughs> yeah. And we can yeah, we can, can take this one. It's fine. <laughs> but um, uh, I always like to make Josh go first. You know, you know, I just feel extra blessed this week. I, I'm going to go with that. I just feel so blessed. Um, in, in the last week, I've had my birthday. I've had my anniversary. My football team won the Super Bowl. And I found out that I'm going to Disney World. And it's been pretty much the best week. Oh, I also found out that Arby's is named Arby's because RB roast beef. And, and that just it made <laughs> my whole like every part of my week has been great. That's pretty funny. So I feel blessed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to go with a fairly yep. increasingly common one here lately. Uh, some close friends of mine uh, thought they might had COVID and they didn't, you know, you know, our lives are pretty closely entwined. So could have been potentially disastrous if they had. So super thankful for that. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. It's faster. Will you stick into, um, yeah, our, our, clergy, our weekly clergy calls are, are, are definitely uplifting and, and I'm encouraged in, in a heavy, chaotic world. Um, 
riddled with fear as such a place of of accountability and 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 lifting each other up and then i also share that my both my parents got their second dose of vaccine um on sunday so they're fully vaccinated now so that that brings a little bit of levity as well and 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 allows um a little bit more space and freedom of of visits and especially when this weather gets warmer and we can go down the beach we can hang out them and not feel like we're going to endanger their lives Uh, so super super thankful for um, I mean, not only in our congregation do we have, um, you know, college professors, we have a lot of nurses and, and healthcare workers and doctors who are really, you know, working their tails off in these ICUs. And so oh, yeah. Any way that we can um, help alleviate their work and their job, um, man, uh, that, that's our call. Um, I'm yeah. praying for that. So Awesome. Well, so that being said, uh, we're wrapping up now and uh, where, where, where can people find your church or hear more from you? Yeah, we're Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. We have a website, holytrinitychapelhill.org. Um, I'm on, on social media, all of the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Will Rose. Um, and uh, so, yeah, if you have any questions about God Loves Geeks or Faith and Science or a good uh, book, uh, you want a book recommendation on a certain topic, let me know. Uh, we've deep dived into this for, for quite a while, and, and I got a book for pretty much any topic you want on any kind of level. And I think I'll, I'll give you guys some some authors and websites and, um, and, and books that I think would be helpful that if people want to check out and go a little bit deeper into faith and science, I find, find really helpful that really seek to unify and bring people together rather than divide and conquer or say that it's uh, you have to be either or or as a faith and science or fighting it out to the death. There's a lot of people there who want to have um, a healthy conversation around these important topics. Okay. So, right. We'll just uh, drop some of that in the show notes for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Alright, so some future guests for the podcast. We're going to have Niles Merritt. Uh, return guest, Dr. Keith Sherlin. And our good friend Ken Hagerman. Great guy. And oh, yeah. uh, at the end of this season, we are going to have Francis Chan. Yeah, hopefully. He just doesn't know about it. Yeah. Either we have Francis Chan season finale or we never have a season finale. So either one's fine. (laughs) Uh, Thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you for your time, Pastor Will. And join us next week. Uh, You too, Will, if you want. You can. Uh, I'm sure we can have (laughs) an extra guest. But uh, make sure if you want to hear our little bonus uh, section, hop on over to Patreon, slide us a couple dollars, and uh, you'll get access to that. So, yeah. Yeah. See you next week.